I'm not I'm not in the best mood, so don't don't be pushing my buttons any more than people on Twitter were already doing yesterday. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> that was all Andrew, man. <laughs> the fuck. I I I I seriously for like two hours I'm like I'm just gonna deactivate it because I'm I'm done with this game. <laughs> I think I missed something. What set you off on Twitter yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I posted on Thursday night that my oh. ideology of madness – I'm assuming this is what you're talking about, Tim. I posted that my ideology of madness business cards came in. And so Andrew immediately responds, hey, mine came in too. Thanks for sending those to me, Aaron. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and so Friday, he mocks up an image of what the business cards look like. <laughs> And he's like, hey, Tim, aren't these great? Yours should be. I'm sure Aaron got some for you, too. Ass. And now we know why Andrew's not on the show today. Because <laughs> we fired his ass. We got sen- Tim's got seniority. with Aaron, Polly, Tim, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. This is Tim. That intro makes me nostalgic. <laughs> for, for for days <laughs> gone by? Simpler times, yeah. Here, let me get out the sock puppet. <laughs> My name is Andrew. <laughs> and I have business cards. Uh... <laughs> 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 I'm going to go get my ragey red ring here in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Did you actually believe, did you actually believe his tweet, Tim, when he said he had business cards? Not until he had a picture of them. And I'm like, oh my God, Aaron just was a complete ass. He's like, I'll send them to everybody. But what I'll do is I'll wait a week and send them to Tim. (laughs) And then I find out, no, Aaron, Aaron didn't send anything. So if you if you had played along, Aaron, you could have you had strung me around for another week, being angry as hell. Yeah, but you see, I'm, I am afraid that maybe you are one prank away from sending me a mail bomb. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, Tim sent me something. Boom, you know. So <laughs> I, I was I was leaving the office when I saw his tweet come through at the picture. I'm like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dead man. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't go as far, as far as a mail bomb, but if you happen to get a package with a severed Galactus head in it. Hey, hey, uh, hey. That might have been. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll send you each of Galactus's fingers one at a time. <laughs> you know, that's the thing at this point. If you want to threaten Aaron, I don't know if you go for Galactus or the iPad. Y'all stay the hell away from both. That's I don't know which one would hurt him more. Y'all stay the hell Galactus away from my the- stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Galactus was about four hundred and fifty dollars cheaper, so I imagine the iPad will sting a little more. <laughs> I don't know. You know, Galactus and I do have you know a pretty special relationship. I don't think I get sued mm. over the Galactus head. I might get sued over the iPad. So whatever. <laughs> <Galactus head. laughs> so Tim, 
last week you had a nerd date. I did have a nerd date. Tell us how that went. Uh, well, it, it went okay. You know, it, it, it was kind of funny because, um, you know, gaming around here has been kind of off and on and, you know, not, not a whole lot of uh, consistency. So uh, on the Fear of the Boot site, somebody's like, hey, I'm looking for a game and I live in, uh, you know, I live in the Fox Valley area. I'm like, all right, well. Hook it up. So we talked about it, and we decided to, you know, meet at a uh, Mexican restaurant. And so he brought like three quarters of the group, and I brought my wife. And uh, I, I know you guys haven't met her, but uh, yeah. So they were a little more excited about her joining the group than me. What are you talking <laughs> about, Tim? We talk to her all the time on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, and did, did, did she get the business cards we sent? <laughs> so, so, so funny. So, do you think that they uh, that they were more interested in your wife joining because you know, hey, a chick, or you know, is your wife just that much more engaging than you? Well, you know, she was playing five hundred questions. Ah. I was like, I. They're like, well, what do you think you're gonna do? I'm like, well. I've never played fourth edition, so I'm thinking face from the A team, and I'll make the mechanics work. <laughs> and she's like, "What's the capital of Spain? How do you do this? How do you do that?" I'm like, "Oh, I don't want to know. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> figure it out as I go." Kind of, kind of like, kind of like Knights of Rain in the room. I'm like, "Ah, screw it. Figure it out as I go." So it sounds like you're describing that uh, your wife's a better date than you. Uh, you know, I, I think so. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. Well, I, oh, I think I think I think I broke the DM already, which was kind of hot. <laughs> How so? Well, like one of the, one of the guys is like, I'll, I'll play a barbarian, but only if you guys don't make the dumb barbarian jokes. And I said, Well, I'll tell you, I'll make a deal with you. I can I can put away the dumb barbarian thing, but you got to come up with an accent that's different than Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, how do you feel about Jamaican barbarian? <laughs> <laughs> and they settled on Canadian barbarian, which is even better. That's great. So what's all this loot boot? Damn, <laughs> <laughs> had his head in his hands. I'm like, I'm like, and you can be the Somalian pirate. <laughs> and is is the barbarian gonna wear like a sock cap? You know. <laughs> I, I think what it is is that we're gonna get him a beaver skin hat so that as he's walking down the trail, the the tail hits him on the back of the neck all the time. So we, we've got a constant beatbox. <laughs> that's that's the plan but yeah so anyways nerd date went pretty well I, I think I'm part of the group I think the wife's actually going to play because it's going to be a system where nobody knows how to play it so right. she's starting it on the ground floor um, what well, sounds groovy how often are y'all going to game uh, I think it's going to be every every Wednesday evening every other Wednesday evening something. not Wednesday Thursday sorry Getting my days confused. I was, I was suddenly a little concerned. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, man, Tim Every really has around given eight up. o'clock. Well, and that's you know that's funny because that's what I said. I'm like, oh my god, I'm, I'm you know I might be gaming Wednesday night, I might be gaming Thursday night, and I might be gaming Saturday night next week. And I'm like, that's that's a little much. That's a lot. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Well, I, well a I lot have, of maybe there. I have a uh, a nerd date myself today. I'm meeting Michael from uh, Zero Fortitude uh, for lunch you know, shortly after we finish podcasting today. Uh, he lives just a few miles south, south of my place, and uh, he and I have never met. So 
We're going to meet today. Is there going to be a love connection there? Well, we'll see. We'll see. I, you know, Paul, you know, I'm not easy. I have to be wooed. So uh, I wouldn't say that. Oh, you had to woo me. No, uh, hey, let me let me call the some. The bu- of it was saying I the bought woo, you though. fried pepper jack. No, okay, <laughs> once, but let me t- let me call some bullshit here. <laughs> I went. I flew all the way to Virginia for the sole purpose of seeing Paul and having fried pepper jack cheese. At the restaurant next to his uh, comic shop. We get there, yes. we sit down, I order a plate of, of pepper jack, fried pepper jack cheese for the table, please. And the waiter's like, um, yeah, we don't have that anymore. I'm like, but it's right here in your menu. Yeah, we've just been doing fried mozzarella. Bait and switch, Paul. What the hell? <laughs> I had nothing to do with that decision, just so you know. Oh, your handprints are all over this. This, this is, is totally a fault. Yeah. yeah, this is your sphere of influence, this, this the Hampton Beach area. You've got responsibilities here, Paul. Yeah, I know, but I, I, I shirk my responsibilities regularly. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> the only responsibility I have is shirking my responsibilities. <laughs> That's the only one I'm responsible for. Well, um, this week, Roger Landridge, who wrote uh, Thor the Mighty Avenger and has written a bunch of the um, all-ages books for Boom, such as the the Muppet uh, comics, um, he had an article published over in – or an interview published over in CBR. And I know none of you all are probably familiar with that. It's, it's some other minor comic book site. And he had talked about uh, – uh, R-rated superheroes and, and really kind of expressed how Marvel and DC have missed the boat in including their their tentpole characters such as you know Spider-Man, Captain America, uh, the Hulk, Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman in more adult fare, um, and you know talked about how you know really those those kinds of stories ought to be the exception, not the rule. I shared that with you guys earlier in the week. What did you guys think of what uh, Landridge had to say? You know, well, I, w- I, I was th- I was impressed that the uh, guy from Little House on the Prairie writes comic books, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought he died, so I'm I'm really glad that he didn't. But that was that was my only thought. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I do think there's a minor point there. I mean, the uh, the Superman titles we've all agreed haven't been very good in a long time now. Uh, Spider Man we didn't read for a while, but I don't think it was because it was too, you know. It's all about what is the core of the character and how far away from that are you getting. They're pretty far away from the core of what Superman is right now, and that's why the stories are bad. I don't think it's because he's they're a R-rated title, because honestly, I don't see any of that. If you see and these are R-rated titles, Marvel has a few that I think would fall under that category, but mm-hmm. not any of the main characters. I mean, Batman needs to be darker than other titles because he's Batman. Right. When they didn't go darker, the books were corny. The books were horrible. And it was really hard for them to tell a good Batman story without getting darker. But, you know, that's what you expect when you pick up a Batman book. That's what you know to expect. I just, I, I'm not seeing it. 
Well, Landridge says, you know, I think it's insane that DC has spent 70 years making Superman as big as Mickey Mouse and branding him to be understood by parents as being pretty much as kid-friendly as Mickey Mouse, only to piss that brand away in a decade. Nothing wrong with doing mature content in comics. In fact, it should be encouraged as often as possible. But doing it with characters who are on your kids' lunchboxes is kind of moronic. Yeah, and I agree with him. I'm just not seeing it in the comics. I don't see that they've done that with Superman. I think what he's specifically referring to is kind of the way the DC universe has gone since Identity Crisis. Yeah. Well, and um, I think that's the R-rated book he's referring to. Yeah. The, the, the rape in Identity Crisis is kind of still controversial to this day. I mean, that book is, what, seven years old at this point? Yeah. Yeah, Superman in his own title may be... You know, the, the title itself may not be R-rated, but, you know, DC Comics in general, or comics in general, to be honest with you. You know, I've noticed, you know, now you can pretty much get away saying anything that you can say on, like, regular TV. So you can say ass and, you know, things like that. And, you know, that's not stuff that's necessarily geared towards an all-ages crowd, you know. Uh, I don't want – you probably don't want Johnny Five-Year-Old to pick up Superman because he loves Superman so much and, you know, hear someone say, Superman – Kicked his ass. That's you know, exactly right. Kicked the rapist what's, what's, ass. You know, and I do have to say, I was complaining about the Marvel Universe for a while because it got too dark. You know, during uh, basically starting at like Civil War, they went very serious route with it, very dark, especially through Dark Reign. And yeah, it didn't feel like the same comic universe. So I give them that at least. I have generally not liked all age reads. Until I started reading some of the stuff by Roger Landridge, because you know it seems like a lot of the stuff that's written for that's supposed to be all age friendly is really written for kiddies, you know, and they're 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 so simple that they're not interesting. But you know, Thor: The Mighty Avenger really changed my attitude on that, and I, I do think that there's a lot of all age books out there that that are entertaining for adults as well as children and are appropriate for for all of those demographics. And probably get canceled as quickly as Thor the Mighty Avenger did. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I and, and I think the problem is, is that, like, for instance, Thor the Mighty Avenger, I think, had a couple of things working against it, not the least of which was Marvel releasing umpteen zillion Thor titles all at the same time so that their excellent books couldn't stand out amidst the mediocre stuff. Um, but you also have the issue that comics are marketed to, you know, adult men, really. Um, they are marketed to folks, you know, anywhere between the ages of 18, 35 and older. And so, you know, you have this limited population of a readership of probably somewhere around 100, 150,000, uh, on, on, in any given month. And you're not going to grow your audience by marketing all ages to these guys. You've got to get outside the direct market. You've got to get outside to where those all age people are, you know, cause really right now you, all you're marketing to are the children of the comic book readers, and there's just not enough of those to grow the market. Well, you know, you know uh, what's the difference between Mickey Mouse and Superman? Uh, Superman is the guy that <laughs> wears the underwear on the outside and punches people in the face. Even best case scenario, right? Uh huh. Even uh-huh. as kid friendly as the, the concept can possibly be, he's still getting in fights. So, <laughs> you know, the, I mean, the first thing I thought when I read this was looking back to the. I guess mid ninety, around the time of the death of Superman. I remember getting the uh, the Death and Life of Superman, the video game, 
And I was playing that while we were babysitting my niece, and my mom's watching me play this. And she's like, this is an awfully violent game. Because it's basically you fight your way through. That's all you're doing is fighting. Right. And it's like that wasn't what she was expecting out of a Superman story, you know, was all the fighting. Because if you look at the movies, he didn't really fight in the movies. Right. And there's not much fighting at all in Superman. Superman 2, there's fighting with the uh, the three Kryptonians, but it's not real fighting. Right. There's no real throwing a punch. And when he does try to, it looks kind of corny. I don't know. I guess it may just be a perception thing. I mean, we see Superman as, yeah, Superman's going to do a lot of fighting. Those aren't my favorite Superman stories at all. I love the stories where you see Superman flying around like crazy doing random rescues. I take Roger Landridge's uh, thought here because, you know, when when Marvel first rolled out their ultimate line, you know, which is decidedly much more mature in its uh, in its uh, storytelling, I I found that confusing. You know, when I, when I was when when they first came out with that, it's like, OK, you know, I've got I've got the, the regular Marvel Universe over here and then I've got these same characters over here, but they're different. Um, and, you know, that that was a. That was a, a bold new idea that they came out with, and I think it's been rather effective. I think, but you know, we've talked about before on this show that you know the Ultimate Universe and the regular Marvel Universe really had started to look a lot alike until you know Ultimates uh, recently. You know, the Ultimate Universe recently veered off, but the story, t- even though the stories are changing now to to give you a different universe, the type of storytelling is still very the same. I, I think they are both pretty uh, uh, pretty mature in their in their storytelling. And I, and I use the term mature. I don't like that word, but I can't think of a different one. I don't want to say adult because that almost makes it sound like porn. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, mature has that same connotation as well. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, a PG-13 and above type of storytelling. Uh, and uh, I, I, I do think that, that the companies have kind of mixed their brands a little bit. I don't really think that Superman has that problem, though. I think it, it could be startling for someone to see Superman on the cover of Identity Crisis and then see uh, Sue Dibney get ass-raped. You know? Uh, well, wow, I didn't realize that Superman was in these wow. kinds of books. <laughs> you or, know DC, what I'm or pick up DC Universe Online, uh, you know, the miniseries, and see all of the heroes get, you know, horribly slaughtered. Yeah, so I mean, I, I do think that I do think there is some 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 brand confusion there, you know. Um, but you know, I, I think that the uh, to your point earlier, Wayne, I think that the brand confusion on uh, on Batman was when they tried to make Batman a family friendly character, you know, years ago, because he really shouldn't be, you know, he he shouldn't be that character that you know your ten year olds reading. Because I mean, if you look back to those original Bob Kane stories. You know, Joker was killing lots of people in those original stories. Well, yeah, but if you look back at the Superman stories, then you don't get this paragon of good that we have now. True. You have a Superman that will dress up as a boxer and fight his way through to the championship and then give the boxer back his life. You have a Superman that will pick up the uh, the bank's vault and say, are you going to give my friend a loan now? Because I would hate for something to happen to this wonderful vault of yours. Well, you know, we've said it before. Superman is a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in those or- early stories, extortionism, yeah. um, you know, fraud, occasionally killing people. It was a very different Superman. 
If people want family-friendly books, they should read Darkwing Duck. I think there's a lot of family-friendly material on the market. Well, I, but it's it doesn't. The sad thing is, it just doesn't last long. <laughs> I kinda haven't like seen Paul. a family-friendly book. Yeah, kind of like me. Yeah, you know, I'd like, it's, uh, I'd like it's Aaron pointed out. Tiger. Most of the family-friendly books are actually just kids' books. Yeah, they're That's written like th- a Spidey super story. You know? That's why something like Darkwing Duck is actually done very well. Adults can read it, have nostalgia, and still get a good story out of it. Versus a lot of the, you know, all ages books that aren't really all ages. They're I mean, kids. Andrew's Andrew's buying Rescue Rangers for for his for his son, isn't he? So yeah, there you go. Yeah. Now I uh I was at the comic shop this week and um I bought one of those Marvel Adventures Spider Man trade paperbacks, the yeah. new one. And, you know, the comic shop guy, he's like, how did you know where to find this? I don't know if you heard this conversation. Aaron was with me. He said, how did you know where to find this? I'm like, well, I was looking for it. He's like, you were specifically looking for this in the kids section? (laughs) Yeah, I wanted to give it a shot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, because, you know, the Marvel Adventure Spider-Man, I was curious. You know, I, I, I had heard it was done in one tales and, you know, they, they, there was a kind of a big push about it because they revamped about a year ago. So I, I picked it up, and it's issues 9 through 12. And I have to say, it was actually a pretty decent read. I mean, of course, if Dan Slott wasn't writing Amazing Spider-Man right now and kicking all sorts of ass, uh-huh. I, I would say this is probably the best Spider-Man book on the market. Because back really? when Spider-Man was hmm. sucking, I, I wish I had known this was around, because these are really well written. And they're not, you know, each issue is kind of a done-in-one tale, but there's still an ongoing continuity. Um, you know, Peter Parker has a different girlfriend. You know, it's not Mary Jane, it's not Gwen Stacy, it's not Carly Cooper or whatever. You know, it's it's a different girlfriend entirely. It's a different continuity, and uh, it's it's really well done. And it doesn't it doesn't pander down to the audience. There's not you know lectures at the end of each issue about you know, well you know if you just let them play with the ball, they wouldn't have robbed the bank. That kind of thing. <laughs> well, I if you, you might have sold me on at least giving this a shot, Paul, because that does sound interesting. And it's uh, it's only ten bucks, you know. For for it's four issues. This one collects issues nine through twelve, and it was only ten bucks. So I, you know, I, I saw an ad for it in the the Mighty Thor. Oh no, Thor the Mighty Avenger uh, trade paperback. And so I thought I'd give it a shot. And you know, I I enjoyed what I read. I'm actually going to pick up the first two trades because it was a fun read. You know, nice fun Spider-Man books. Um, and you know, I know they have other characters. I know they do Thor. I know they do Hulk. And, uh, you know, it's just well-written stuff, which is nice, you know, that at least Marvel seems to have learned from previous mistakes. And, you know, you still get shit like that out on the market that speaks directly to kids instead of all ages. But it's nice to have an all-ages book out there that's that features the characters that we know and love, you know? Yeah. No, I think that's great. I'll have to check that out. I, you know, I've seen those around, but, I, you know, I've always been a little afraid of them. I gotta be honest. I, the the one thing I like about them, I like the format. Yeah. I like the digest size. Yeah, that you know, digest like size digest. is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. You know, you could just carry it around. You know, when you're done with it, leave it for a kid or something. I, I, if I was a kid, this is the type of Spider-Man book I'd want to read. You know, these are the types of Spider-Man stories I enjoyed reading as a kid. You know, I probably wouldn't like thinking about Superman, right? When I was a kid, there was a lot of awesome stuff going on in Superman, right? But and so that's what brought me into comics. A, uh, a an eight year old who picks up Superman at Books a Million or Barnes and Noble or Borders or something, you know, picks up the new issue of Superman, um, 
is not going to want to continue reading Superman. No, because Superman sucks. Exactly. You know, and even Batman. An eight year I mean, think about Batman and Robin, which is probably the top selling Batman book on the market mm-hmm. right now. And you know, Tim read it with me. If you were eight years old, nine years old, and you picked that up off of the spin rack because it had a pretty cover, would you buy the next issue? Hell no. Yeah. You know, it's it's about you know the the serial killer causing people to jump off buildings and kill themselves. And you know, it's got some cool stuff, but you know, generally, it's just not it's not speaking to that audience. You know, I'm just envisioning the eight year old grabbing a current book of Superman, flipping it through. Mommy, why is Superman a bad husband? <laughs> <laughs> Why is Superman like my dad? You know, I, I I got introduced into comics by seeing the spin rack at uh, the look uh, on the corner convenience store and stealing a comic. Okay, <laughs> that's how I got into comics. <laughs> it seems like you have to be so deliberate now to find a comic book. You know, you have to you have to go and you know wander into the graphic novel section at Barnes and Nobles or you you know you've got to go to some place that sells the digest because it's not at your drugstore anymore. It's not at the corner convenience store. It's not at the most newsstands don't sell comics anymore. You know, I, it, it's so difficult to even find a comic and then once you do, how the hell do you even know what you're going to like because, you know, to Roger Landridge's point, they've mixed their brands so much. So, Actually, you know, I was thinking it was getting easier because you walk into a grocery store and they're on the magazine racks again. They haven't been for years, but they just started in the last few years again. See, yeah, they're, they're not doing that around here. I, I don't see any of that stuff at our grocery stores. So maybe it's a regional thing. I think it's. It, it, I think they accelerated around the time movies get released. You know, well, and that's true. They'll, they'll, magazine or something. But can you imagine? You know, uh, you go to you, you see the the uh, the Captain America movie. You know, and yay, Captain America! And then you go and you pick up. You know, you, you you go and you pick up Death of Captain America, or you pick up something from Civil War, and you know, you know, you're looking for for Captain America whomping on the bad guys, but you pick up Civil War and he's beating on the good guys. Yeah, I have to say, Marvel's gotten better about that. They learned their lesson with X Men. They released X Men. It was a great, you know, great movie, and the comics at that time they'd handed over to Grant Morrison, and they looked nothing like the the books. Right. Yeah. And, as Spider-Man, I don't remember what the comics were like when the movie came out, which is why I think we're seeing a lot of this backpedaling. If you look at what's happening in Thor, they're already working to make Thor look more like the movie Thor is going to be. Right. I think they did the same thing with Iron Man for a while there. They're trying to get him rebooted to a state where when the movie comes out, people can jump onto the books. I think that was the one of the points of the ultimate line. It was to be able to you know retell some of the stories, get in new readers – but also, if you look about when they launched it, it was so people could have a title that looked very similar to the movies. Because yeah, it did. That, that's kind of a double-edged sword, though, right? Yeah. Because as fans who have been following that continuity for 15, 20 years, to go back to the continuity of 15, 20 years ago yep. pisses us off. Yeah. Yeah. We've and I know they're trying Thor to, because of it. Yeah. And I know they're trying to bring in that new audience, but I think you need to have distinct titles i think you need to have the adult thor book and you need to have the all ages thor book you know and i get that mighty thor didn't sell well i get it but you know what it's fucking thor the main (laughs) thor title doesn't sell that great either you know it it, kind of boils down to you have to market to the right people you know you can't market you know mighty thor was critically acclaimed people loved it you know 
but it, it wasn't marketed that well. You know, it only it was only given eight issues to really find its footing. It, it it's you know, and then it was released in digest size, where it's selling gang it's selling gangbusters right yeah. now in digest size. And just, you you keep yeah. saying the mighty Thor, it's Thor the mighty Avenger. Just want to clarify. Thank you. Sorry, Thor it's the mighty true. Avenger. Yeah, you know, and, and that's where I got to give Marvel credit for the Ultimate line. They created it around the time the movies were coming out. Right after X-Men came out, they were, they started releasing Ultimate X-Men, and they made it look a lot like the movie. And I think that was attempting to do that without touching the main continuity, which was being destroyed by Grant Morrison and pushing me out of X-Men <laughs> Universe forever. So the, so, the, so the point is, if you're worried about what your eight-year-old is reading, why don't, don't you give Grant afraid? Morrison the book? Why don't you be a friggin' parent and read it before you give it to him? Oh my god, what a concept! <laughs> it's just so innovative. So, so, are we gonna have a giveaway for Identity Crisis All Ages? All Ages Identity Crisis. Absolutely. Watchmen. <laughs> With the special, you know, uh, Spider uh, Superman lecture at the end about, you know, kids, you shouldn't ass rape. <laughs> Featuring Dr. Rape. What's it that called the Dr. Rape? Jeff Parker called him Dr. Rape. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm just cringing now because somehow I just imagine that being the, the title of this episode. I'm going to see iTunes drop and it's going to be, uh, you know, funny books with Aaron and Polly, Dr. Rape. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully something interesting happened enough in this week's books to change the title of our show from Dr. Rape. <laughs> I really hope but, so. But right now, that's the one leading it. <laughs> yeah, that's the lead. But you never know. Something might have happened in Avengers Academy number 12 to knock it out. Always a possibility. So uh, this this uh, this issue of Avengers Academy, Avengers Academy number 12, concluded the uh, three-part Korvac storyline that was going on in there. Timmy, what would you think? This was the best Avengers Academy book that I've seen in this run. I I'm I'm always all about it. It's, it's, this is my book of the week, and I know it were curtain jerk and book of the week, but uh, wow, was there a lot going on, and it was it was all awesome. Uh, you know, I I there's a there's character moments. It seems like every single page, and it seems like because it's issue twelve, a lot of people, a lot of them took you know steps towards what they're going to eventually be. They got, you know, because of the whole Corvac uh, saga, all the kids got put in their future bodies. Yep. Um, so they kind of got a, a glimpse in in the in the in the mirror of what's of what's what they can expect. Although they couched it, well, it could be a different, you know, u- alternate universe, blah 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 blah. But uh, I think I think uh, I think not all of them liked what they saw. I think that was really cool. Yeah, I think most of them didn't. I, I thought those character moments were great. You know that the, the the realization, like I've still got this problem. You know, Hazmat realizing that she's still in the suit, that she's at least ten years older, and she's still in the freaking suit. Yeah, Vale, who was so excited about even being alive, realizing she can't touch anyone. Yeah. And that that, that, that last two page spread was was uh, awesome. I thought, yeah, I thought yeah. the final two pages of this book were terrific. You know, I thought that the 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 moment between you know Hazmat and I'm always forget this guy's name. Metal. Metal. Thank you. Um, I always want to call him Red Skull looking guy, but uh, uh, 
I thought that moment was fantastic. It was just so much emotion on the page. I thought it was drawn beautifully. I thought it was written beautifully. Um, you know, I, I, and I felt bad about bringing you into the title until now, Aaron, because when you jumped in, we've talked about it. You guys jumped in at the worst point of the book, mm-hmm. at the the low point where the issues weren't as good, which is not to say they weren't good. But this issue, all of these character moments, this is what we saw in the first six issue run. Mm-hmm. You know, the first six issues, every issue was more like this one. That's why I was very glad to see it, you know, go back to that where we're seeing all these character moments. Because we didn't have it during the Thunderbolts crossover and a few other, you know, the, the stories leading up to Korvac. I I really enjoyed it. Um, the scene between uh, Brandon and Tigra, you know, where, where she's like, hey, it's okay that you ran out of the fight. And he's like, oh, that's not what I'm worried about. I'm just trying to think if this is, this is something I want to do. Do I want to put my life on the line for this? You know, I... I thought these these moments here were great, and I loved the resolution on Veil. Vale. What a valid point, too. By the way, the brand's like, yeah, you know that that glowing lady and her and her stupid glowing husband and their and their marital problems. Yeah, just basically almost screwed this entire planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I loved how they dealt with that. I mean, it was a very real reaction. If I'm in my future body and I just got a hole blasted in my chest, yeah, I don't know that I would want to keep fighting either. Yeah. And at that point, he still has to wonder, did a, did a future version of myself just get killed? Am I going to be walking down the street 10 years from now and a hole appear in my chest? Now, you know, um, and suddenly, I mean, I'm drawing a blank on Corvac's uh, wife. Mrs. Corvac <laughs> <laughs> brought in, uh, you know, the future versions of the heroes to, you know, to, to use their heightened uh, skills and their, their, their more mature powers to fight Corvac. What I really would have loved, because everybody, you know, either they came through certainly more powerful, but they also looked a lot more cool. What I would have loved to have seen is, you know, uh, Maybe one of the guys is losing his hair. <laughs> you know, maybe someone's got, you know, maybe someone's a little, you know, put on some pounds. You know, they still have these powers, but, you know, they don't just look as cool. I would have liked to have seen some of that. <laughs> you know, and I love that Reptile actually made the choice to stay his older self. I'm curious how that's going to work and if he'll eventually go back to being young. Yeah. But it's like, if, was... you could, if you could go from turning into a Velociraptor to turning into a T-Rex... Would you would you change back? Well, and you know the the whole premise of the book is that you know these are kids that were identified as they could really go bad. You know they've got they've got a lot of power and they're they're really on the edge of you know maybe not being so heroic as as being you know villainous. And each one of them, you know, like Vale, completely made a a what I I, I saw as a logical decision. But you know she's kind of turned on to the power now. You oh, know, she, yeah, you're right. Vale is no longer on the fence. Vale is definitely yeah. on the other side. Oh yeah, I mean, she's just like, yeah, you know, I kind of kind of have a taste for that thing now. And she then, made the first good decision of the entire series, though. I mean, she has had just this history of doing the wrong oh, thing yeah. every time. Yeah, but you, and just I, one time, you get to see her take over all of this power and actually make the good decision. I'm going to save my own life. I disagree. I, d- I disagree because you know what? She saw, hey, look, my two friends, Metal yeah. and Hazmat, they're still screwed. Yeah. What does she do first thing that she, she took care of herself? To, took care of herself. That's right. Well, they and weren't the, dying, though. That's the difference. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah. 
But she what kind of life either. is it? Yeah. What kind of life is it to be, you know, trapped in that suit? Because I mean, you're absolutely right. She made a me first decision. This yeah. this little bit of dialogue here where she says, you know, you wish so long for something you want so bad, something mm-hmm. no one else can give you or won't. And then it happens just like that. I understand now why Norman Osborn and the hood all want power so much. It makes me wonder what I could have done if I had more time. I mean, if that is not foreshadowing for some shit that's about to happen, I don't know what is. I, I, I just – I love that we kind of get to see, hopefully, the, the origins of a villain rolling out in real time. You know, I, I, I think Vale could be an awfully damn good villain. I, I'm excited. I, I, I thought this was a terrific book. And I got to tell you, Hazmat and Metal broke my heart. I just – yeah. That was uh, that was just a terrific scene. So big thumbs up to Avengers Academy. Christus Gage, you rocked it hard. This is the kind of things that this title used to have every issue, and I I hope it's coming back to it now that they're done with their, you know, all of their crossovers. I hope they're done with their crossovers. Well, a, a book that also had some terrific character moments this week was Thunderbolts one fifty six. Yes. Paul, tell us about Thunderbolts. Well, the um, Satana grabbed uh, Moonstone's boobs. um, (laughs) Hot. So hot. (laughs) No. uh, And that was about it. So, great issue. No. So, in Thunderbolts, (laughs) they are trying to form... There's two separate storylines going on right now. Uh, Given that the Thunderbolts are essentially expendable in nature, um, at the Ratch, they are trying to form kind of a a B-team, the Underbolts, the Underbolts. <laughs> the Underbolts. Uh, and, you know, I think they haven't really revealed what that team's going to be other than that Mr. Hyde is probably going to be on it. And Shocker, maybe. Uh, just a couple of different characters. And meanwhile, Thunderbolts, um, with the new team member Satana, go to, I think it's Romania? And end up fighting all sorts of creatures and zombies and monsters in a, uh, in a Romanian castle. So, it, I mean... It, this book is a lot of fun, and I like the uh, I like the mystical bent these last couple of issues have taken, with the the Doctor Strange issue and and all that, and the the, the Man Thing issue, mm-hmm. and Kev Walker is just knocking the art out of the park. Oh, yeah, every issue on this the book. art's fantastic. Um, and you know, I, like I said, Satana grabs some boobs. Early, early, and we don't even have this category, but uh, best line of the year so far. Satana, woman, what are you doing to that man thing? <laughs> <laughs> I could not stop laughing. <laughs> it's a good line. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I, I I really enjoy about Thunderbolts is where Moonstone has her Thunderbolt insignia. You know, it, it's on her ass. <laughs> that just tickles me to no end. You know, that, that a conscious decision was made by, by someone, I assume, you know, Moonstone herself, that, that somebody in the design shop didn't say, okay, where are we going to put her Thunderbolts insignia? You know, uh, that just tickles me that that's where her insignia is. This book had everything. You had, you had the Daughter of Satan. You had Man-Thing. You had great dialogue between characters. You have this wonderful scene where you've got these, you know, uh, Kaiser Wilhelm era zombies, and you can see that there's a werewolf in the back and some Nosferatu looking vampires. I dug this book. This book was so freaking good. 
It was. And, you know, Nazi vampires and or Nazi zombies. Can you yeah. go wrong with Nazi zombies in a superhero book? They're not really Nazi zombies. They're World War One era zombies. Ah, oh, that's true. I'm sorry. So, they're, so they're, pre-Nazi they're, zombies. That's right. Yeah. 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 I just it's good stuff. Yeah, really Thunderbolts good stuff. is a damn good book. It, it really it's is. probably one of the best. You know, I was going to drop it. And primarily, you know, I was dropping it because I felt like, you know, there were too many tie-ins and uh-huh. I was just kind of getting sick of it. And now that it's kind of standing on its own as its own book, mm-hmm. you know, and you've got Jeff Parker and Kev Walker doing, you know, the book that I they clearly want to tell. And now I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Well, um, and the uh, Jeff Parker has a real talent for writing for characters that I'm generally not very interested in. And so I'm real curious to see what he's going to do with Mr. Hyde, you know, now that uh, Mr. Hyde has shown up in the book. Um, I, I just I, I just I love it. I just this book is so good. You know, the art, the writing, the pacing, the characterization it's just fan freaking tastic. And what I like about it is that they I guess I don't know, because it doesn't have the word Avengers in the title. They can go a little dirty with the book. Right. You know, you've got boob grabbing. Last issue you had Satana surrounded by all sorts of naked women. Right. That were seducing Luke Cage and Doctor Strange. You know, it's and you now you're we talking can have, about you know not all ages. It's definitely not all ages. Well, now you can have you know Satana chewing on uh, you know Juggernaut's ear. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've, I've got one very small complaint. Uh-huh. And it's only because this is kind of how they alluded to it, but it looked like Satana was about to turn on him. Yes. And I'm like, we just had Hyperion do the same thing. I don't want to see. Like the flavor of the backstab of the of the of the three issue you know arc. And what I couldn't tell was is if she had planned that or if it was because of where they were. If she wasn't being influenced by her surroundings. Well, I'm I'm hoping she sticks around. But yeah. I I, I don't want to see another backstab so soon. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm I am so digging Thunderbolts. Yeah, definitely a great book, worth picking up. You know, they, you, if you wanted to to pick up like the last three issues, or even the last two issues, you know, with the Doctor Strange issue and this issue, uh-huh. you know, you, you're in for a great read. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Okay, so did you enjoy Twilight Guardian, Wayne, as much as we enjoyed Thunderbolts? I think I enjoyed it way more than you enjoyed Thunderbolts. I don't think that's possible. This miniseries you're, you're going to have been, to convince me. This miniseries has been wonderful, and I wanted to talk about it today because this was the last issue of the miniseries, and they're getting ready to release the trade. When the trade comes out, it's not going to just be this miniseries. It's going to include the the pilot season that was good enough to get this, you know, to get it a miniseries. So, I mean, when it comes out, it definitely, I, I highly recommend you guys grab it and give this a read. This last issue just continued the feel of the, the title. Every time I'm afraid they're going to go you know, and actually make her a superhero or that they're going to add empowered beings. They they like to do a little bit of bait and switch, but no, this is just a crazy woman who's off her meds, who dresses up and goes out on patrol. But she actually gets to save people's life this time. Great, you know, great ending to the miniseries. Everything wrapped up nicely. And it's uh, it's all about expectations. I mean, she builds up these huge expectations of what's going on because she's crazy. And then you get to see everything is really very down to earth. I've never read a title like this. That's so, 
so unique, so down to earth, so different. And I def- when the trade comes out, I recommend everyone picking this up because it it was wonderful. And uh, Twilight Guardian is published by Top Cow. Is that right? Yep. Published by Top Cow, written by Tracy Hickman, the guy that wrote. Uh, um, it was originally it was Holy. Yeah, originally it was uh, Holy Crawlers. It was re-released as uh, Common Grounds. Very different kind of writer who tells, you know, superhero stories that are kind of off the beaten track. Very exciting. Can't you tell? We are we are all looking for it online right now to buy it. I have to say, I, I'm not I think your apathy. I would say, I'm, I think your apathy for the next next titles you're going to talk about are bleeding into your your reaction to this incredible title. Ooh, that's true. Bird. I, I completely disagree. Oh, okay. Well, we so going- so I hopped more- off of Green Lantern this week. So you guys tell me, was that the right decision or the wrong decision? Well, I think we're gonna have different opinions because I think this was I think it was the wrong decision. I I I really enjoyed both of these books. You know, and I was on the fence about it a little bit because I'm like, oh, everybody's kind of hating on it. I don't really know. And then I saw the cover for Green Lantern '65, and I'm like, in. Because the cover of Green Lantern 65 was, was Hal Jordan in the Sinestro Corps. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, because then I realized what they were going to do. I'm like, oh, they're going to not be Green Lanterns to fight this war. They're going to do something else. Well, I got to say, okay, so this week, uh, two parts came out. Uh, Green Lantern 65 and Green Lantern Corps number 59. Parts four and five of the War of the Green Lanterns. I enjoyed Green Lantern 65 quite a bit. Uh, like Tim said, you know, it involves Hal, uh, Kyle, Guy, and um, John uh, putting on other rings, other core rings, in order because the Green Lantern rings have been corrupted. So they have to, to, to power these other, you know, they have to use these other rings to fight back. And so, and you know, there's a lot of cool character moments between Hal and Guy in Green Lantern 65. <laughs> But I did not enjoy Green Lantern Corps 59. I just I, I felt like I don't know if it was the writing a writing issue or if it was an art issue. The art seemed very I don't know. The art seemed very 90s to me. I haven't dug uh, Tyler Kirkham's art on Green Lantern Corps since he took over the title. You know, I I, I guess I didn't. I, it was it was definitely a, a bit of a, a downgrade compared to Green Lantern. But it was it wasn't enough to like I don't know cause me to to worry about it too much I guess because there's a whole lot of crap going on too so it's like every scene there's people flying in shooting green crap again <laughs> it's turning into like the little centurion the little one arm centurion that could it was you know it sounds like a very crappy book whatever I'm wearing, <laughs> I in in honor of my of of my uh, jerk brother guy I'm I'm wearing my red lantern ring right now as we talk about this I, I, I was really I'm really enjoying it and at least through this mini series I'm sticking around so I, I would tell you Aaron that you made, you made the, the wrong decision but I guess that you know for you, Paul's been on it longer so it's it's hard for me it it is hard for me because you know Aaron pulled the trigger. Aaron said, you know what? Fuck this. I'm done. 
<laughs> but for me, it's like, you know, every couple of weeks, you know, it, it basically what it boils down to is whenever Green Lantern comes out, the actual Green Lantern book written by Jeff Johns with art by Doug Mankey, whenever that comes out, I'm like, eh, you know, it's it's just good enough to keep me on. And and I think, you know, but I'm buying three books when I really enjoy one. I yeah. really only enjoy Green Lantern. Let me tell um, you, but, when I was reading my books last night, it was liberating not to be reading Green Lantern books. It really, and like I'm not, I'm not making that up. I'm not exaggerating. I just felt freed <laughs> from the oppressive yoke of the Green Lantern books because you know you're, you're absolutely right, Paul. You, you have for this story, you have to buy them all. You know, so that's nine dollars a month versus two ninety nine a month, right? And you know, they, they 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 come out so quickly, so you've got to read these things and you've got to read them in order, and and it's just. I'm so worn out from everything, you know, from Blackest Night, prior to Blackest Night, after Blackest Night. I was just ready to be out, you know. And if they can, if they can wrap up the ongoing arc, and you know, do some done in ones and have some stories that don't, you know, tie in so closely to the other two books, I'd love to come back because I love the characters. I'm just tired of the story. Well, I got to be honest. I think. War of the Green Lanterns, because DC doesn't have a DC Adventures line, right? You know, or a DC Ultimate line where you can get not continuity light stories, right? I have the feeling that War of the Green Lanterns is building up to a a kind of a revamping of the status quo to make it open for people to come in from the Green Lantern movie, because War of the Green Lanterns wraps up, I think, in June, which is shockingly enough when Green Lantern the movie comes out. So when you're done seeing Green Lantern the movie, you can go pick up the latest issue of Green Lantern, and it will be like a fresh start, a good jumping on point. I have a feeling that's what they're trying to build up to. Yeah, and you know what? I'm getting the feeling there's going to be one less of these Green Lantern dudes running around, too. Are they finally going to kill Guy? I hope so. No, I don't think Guy's the one they're going to do. Jon Stewart? Mm -hmm. No. I think that's the way they're going. I'll be honest, really, the only Green yeah. Lantern I care about is Kyle, and they haven't told good Kyle stories in a while, so I don't even know if I'll be upset if they kill the only Green Lantern I like at this point. The, the, I think Kyle's going to be the one to buy it. Well, the letters page was asking about, hey, what, what's going on with, with Jon Stewart? Please don't do anything to him. And the editor's like, yeah, no, something big's happening in course 60. That was kind of why I was like, yeah, that does not look good for Jon Stewart. So clearly Tim is still on the book, Paul. Yep. God damn it. I just don't know. That's the problem. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like I said, it's just good enough, you know, to, to keep me on. But I, I want to drop it. I want to you're, drop it. And I got to be honest. You're halfway if, through the miniseries, Paul. I know. But if you were dropping it, if Tim was dropping it, I would have dropped it. <laughs> Your sheep, I, Paul. <laughs> I think, and I think Andrew's still getting it because he hasn't canceled his toolbox. <laughs> yeah, because because uh, I don't, you know, if, if you and Andrew drop it, then I'm gone. Basically, I'm I, I am buying it just to talk about it with you guys on the show. Well, you know, if if you want me off that book, just take Guy Gardner out of there, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be getting this anymore. So there you go. That's you. That's your out, Paul. 
Well, we'll find out in Green Lantern, uh, at the end of the Green Lantern, War of the Green Lanterns. We'll yeah, see who dies. If only, there, if only there was a Guy Gardner, uh, Damian Wayne book. That would be a good book. Be, I'd save, buy that book. Save but, my money. But you know what? It would you be wonderful get, if they were only in that book, though. And if I never had to see either character ever again. because <laughs> <laughs> Wayne but hates good you can, Yeah, he does. He does. But, you know. No, I hate Guy Gardner get, and Damian Wayne. Nothing good about that. <laughs> well, how do you feel about Supergirl, Wayne? I like Supergirl. Even though Damian Wayne's all up in the title? I didn't say I like the title. I like the character. <laughs> Damian Wayne is all up in Supergirl number 63. That is true. You know, I actually wanted to buy Supergirl this week because I'm on a huge Superman and Supergirl kick at the moment. And I open it up, and I start flipping through, and I saw Damian Wayne, and I closed it and put it back on the rack. I didn't buy it because he was in it. I, I absolutely loved this book. The, uh, I did too. The, I love the story again, you know, solid Superman story in a Supergirl book. Um, I, I dug the artwork, the pacing, the reveal at the end was actually surprising. I was not, I don't know about you, Paul, but I was not anticipating that. Yeah, I wasn't either. It makes sense. It does. It makes total sense now that you look at now that you look back and, and uh, I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but I, 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 it, it, I was genuinely surprised, and that happens so rarely. Uh, it was it was very nice storytelling, and I enjoyed, you know, the moments with Lois in this book. I thought Lois was used to to great effect um, on the secondary story. Uh, this book's got it all going on. And you know what I enjoyed just as much? There were some good Damian Wayne moments. Yeah, there really were, and I loved. You know, we we got to see what he fears. Yeah, you get to see Damian Wayne's deepest, darkest fear, which, um, spoilers on, is basically that he sides with his mother and kills the entire Bat family. Yeah. And they've got this pretty awesome, you know, full-page uh, spread of him standing over the bodies of Tim Drake and Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne. Just Stephanie, awesome, awesome Fred, Jim Gordon. I just had this image of his biggest fear being stuck in the Red Robin costume. Be like, no! (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, so you can tell that whoever, James Peaty, who took over the title after Nick Spencer left after one issue, um, he's doing a damn good job. It really is. So I'm enjoying the book. I've actually, you know, the, the first, I guess this is the third issue of this arc. Yes. Yeah, 61, 62, and 63. I actually added it to my regular poll. Ah, uh, look at you, this. Paul. Instead of just picking up one issue at a time, I have added it as uh, as my regular poll. And watch, after issue 64, issue 65 will suck and I'll drop it again. But for the time being, it's on my regular poll. Yeah, I I am so enjoying this book. It's, you know, it has risen on the level of my poll as one of the books I read first when I get home with it. It's just so enjoyable. It is a good, fun book. Totally dig it. And you know what's kind of funny is that I don't really have a handle yet on who this Supergirl is, you know, in terms of her character. Um, You know, we've seen a couple of different iterations of Supergirl throughout this run. And I'm just, I'm, I'm, she's certainly a lot more noble than we've seen. She's kind of come into her own. So I'm really excited to see where the character is going. So I'm she's good. a moody teenager. 
That's See, and I, character's I, I, she can be a different character from you know from week to week. Moody doesn't mean you know that she's. I don't know. I guess Moody doesn't mean she's necessarily lashing out. She can be the more noble character one week and then be something else the next week. Because it's like an excuse to be inconsistent. Have you been around teenagers? <laughs> They're inconsistent. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm totally digging Supergirl. Highly recommended. But I got to tell you, one of the big surprises I had this week was a little title from Boom Studios called Dracula, the Company of Monsters. Oh, my God. This was a good book. So was was this like Office, only, you know, Dwight was Frankenstein? And... <laughs> <laughs> it's just like that. Oh, <laughs> why did you tell me? I've been... <laughs> um, Dracula the Company of, of Monsters was conceived and the story uh, put together by Kurt Busiek um, but it's actually written by Daryl Gregory with art by uh, Scott Godlewski and Damien Cuchiro I, I, this is a beautiful <laughs> you having a good time uh, pronouncing all those names there? Yeah, boy it's, it's rough isn't it um, <laughs> I like Cuchiro's especially the you know the cinnamon ones now, Ooh, I, those are tasty. Hey, one of the creators had Damien in his name. Doesn't that mean you have to run out and get it, Tim? Uh, like I said, only if it's Monster uh, The Office, in which case <laughs> I'm in. It's exactly what it is. I think you're lying. No, and Damien Wayne's in it. I mean, this is not, this is not the first time you've lied to me this week, Aaron. <laughs> Office politics take a whole new twist when you can you know, turn someone's mother into a vampire. That's right. <laughs> So, you know, I, I kind of came into the, the book with some baggage, you know, because generally I'm not real wild about uh, vampire comic books. I, I love vampires. Um, I, my, the, the end all be all of vampire comics begins and ends with Marv Wolfman's run on Tomb of Dracula. That's, that's my perspective on it. And I have enjoyed this as much as I enjoyed Tomb of Dracula. I, this book is fantastic. You know, the, the premise of it is you've got this business, uh, this corporation that realizes that Dracula was a vampire. And so they are committing company resources to bringing him back and utilizing his skills that they can, you know, draw from him to, you know, improve the business as it were. What'd you yeah, guys think? I- I was uh, I was completely blown away when I saw you post about how much you love the title. I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot, thinking I'd read. Maybe, you know, I'd start off the trade. And I end up sitting there reading the first two trades and one issue further than you've read, all in one sitting last night, just because it was so good and I was that hooked. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you've got corporate espionage, horror, suspense it's it's just a really really damn good book um you know and, and ish, volume two of the trade paperbacks actually comes out next week which collects issues uh five through eight volume one is on the stands now so you can actually pick up the first two volumes next week and issue nine that's why, why we're talking about it now and it's it's definitely worth picking up great stuff yeah if you mentioned the uh, the horror feel as you're reading this, at least as I was reading it, I kept thinking, how could things possibly get worse for this guy, the guy, the main character? And then yeah. I turn the page, and things get worse for the main character. 
is like the writing is incredible. The art is good. The the story just is so engrossing. Well, I I want the next issues. Yeah, and th- that was my thing. Is I mean, after having blown through, you know, I guess eight issues is where I'm at on it, and you know, issue nine comes out this coming week. You know, I was like, I need the next one. I mean, I am hooked. I mean, this is like, you know, it's like the pages are laced with cocaine. I am so so hooked on this damn thing. Uh, one of the things that we've talked about before on the show is that you know it's hard to do horror in a comic and to give you that sense of you know this is kind of scary. And while I won't say I was frightened in the book, I did ha- experience a lot of dread in the book. Like, oh crap, you know, I see where this is going. This is going to end badly, <laughs> you know. And the, the, there there are moments where you you have that you know kind of dark joy that you get in a horror movie when you're like, oh, you know, shouldn't have gone there. And then there are moments where you're like, oh, man, you know, that's not Dracula that did that to your family. That was your uncle. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, it's it, the the reveals and the dread and the tone. It's just fan freaking tastic. They do commit yeah, the be... cardinal sin for Aaron and myself, though. Ah, uh, dude. They Something kill happened. the dog. Uh... There's a Stargate? <laughs> <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Not in this issue. Yeah, but maybe they, in issue nine. They kill a dog on panel, though. You know, you kind of see that coming, though, because that that dog was spending a lot of time on panel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you just knew because because uh, you, know, you know things were things were were going to turn bloody. Yeah. I've got to say, I do have one qualm with the title, and that is the the covers of the issues. Oh, really? I feel like the covers don't accurately represent what's in the t- oh, what's in the book. Totally don't agree. get me wrong; they they show you what happens in the issue, but the way they draw Dracula is very Belagosi. Yes, you know. Well, they're they're, they're doing some send ups. They're doing some send ups. Like for instance, the cover to issue eight. You know, the way they draw Dracula on that on that cover is very much a Gene Colan esque Tomb of Dracula. Dracula. You know, even though it's drawn by you know Ron Salas. Um, the uh, the it's a send up, and I think that's kind of what they're doing on some of these covers. Is it's not necessarily supposed to be the way uh, uh, you know it's supposed to look in the book. They're just trying to to give you a taste of of uh, you know the the vampire homage, as it were. Oh, I, I can totally oh, that's see probably that. A good point. Yeah. Uh-huh. I really enjoy <laughs> their take on Dracula's origin too. I do too. Scalamantan aspect that he chose this and it was this huge ritual and you know to make himself the first vampire i mean we've seen it we have seen the take before where it's something he chose but just this aspect of it that is a ritual that can be performed and other people could perform it too i got a kick out of that yeah it's a very modern take on you know on the dracula story yeah because it does have a lot of similarities to the classic you know bram stoker's dracula um you know, because that involved business dealings and sure. all that stuff, too. Well, uh, and I, I have to say, I, that was one of my concerns when I first started reading the book, because I was afraid that they were just going to be – I was afraid it was just going to be a modern update. You know, we're just going to update the, 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 the Bram Stoker book and, you know, go from there. And fortunately, it wasn't that. I mean, there's certainly elements. You, you, you have that flavor of Jonathan Harker, for instance, 
Um, you know, and you know, the, but the, but they turn that on its ear because Jonathan Harker is really kind of a victim in the Stoker book, and you know, uh, uh, Mia is that her name in the in the Stoker book? Uh, Mina. Yeah. Mina. Thank you. M- Mina. Mina is the is you know also rather victimized, but you know the 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 the, the Mina, uh, you know, parallel in this book chooses this path. You know, so I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's it it's a modernization, and they've added a whole lot to make it more interesting. And I've just I'm totally, totally digging this book. Yeah, and there's still a mystery going on. That's there right. is something special about this main character that makes him different. There's something in his lineage to make him different, and we have no idea what it is yet. Yeah, I mean, I have, I have thoughts and I have theories, but we still don't know what it is actually on page. Well, I, but I'm going to, sir. Oh no, go ahead, Paul. Oh no, go ahead, please. Uh, well, I was just going to say, I was going to transition out, so. (laughs) (laughs) Cause I'm done talking about this crap. Were you going to call Aaron a malignant tuber? No, no, I was going to say Aaron, Aaron's a big fan of vampires and I know he's a big fan of cancer. (laughs) (laughs) Now I, I gotta say. I wasn't going to read Malignant Man this week. Because it's not a tumor. Well, <laughs> it's not a tumor. <laughs> um, I wasn't going to read Malignant Man this week, largely for the fact that I think it's an awful title. Um, I, just the, the, the name of the book is just awful. And I downloaded it and uh, from our previews because I was like, man, I'm going to be traveling this week. I'm going to have some time to read. Might as well read this one. And maybe it was because I had such low expectations going into the book. But I got to say, Malignant Man, number one from Boom Studios, book of the week. I absolutely loved this book. Um, I love the artwork in the book. It, it, it really sets you know, an atmospheric tone uh, from, from first page to last page. This book just knocked it out of the park. Uh, and so I immediately started tweeting and I told the guys because I, I don't think anybody was planning on reading this thing. Uh, I had no intention of touching this book until I saw and it was, both you and Paul rave about it. And was it because of the title? No, it was just because the concept didn't sound that interesting. Well, uh, or it didn't sound new. I'll put it that way. OK, so Wayne, what would you think? I really enjoyed it. I wouldn't say it was my book of the week because my book of the week was uh, Avengers Academy as well. But. I enjoyed it. I'm curious what's going to happen next issue. I'm, I'm, a, I'm on board for a little while at least. We'll see, because there's there's a big mystery of what's really going on here, and it's we haven't got enough of the story for me to, you know, to say that it's a wonderful, great story. But it's definitely a different take on the the concept of someone dying and becoming a hero. Right. No idea what's going on, but it was. It was good. I mean, I see why you were raving about it. I see why Paul was raving about it. And I'm I'm glad you guys were because I would have never picked up this title to read. Yeah. And there's there's a panel in there that's just so disturbing. Oh, oh God. You have, to, you have to see it. Oh, yeah. The, the Are you talking about his brain? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> there <laughs> is, you know, he, he gets shot. The, the character who is diagnosed terminal cancer, just weeks to live, you know, doctors are already starting to talk to him about hospice and, you know, in stage and all that kind of stuff. So he's walking home and he sees this crime in progress. You know, this woman's getting his, her purse snatched 
and he jumps in and, you know, you're kind of of the mind, you know, what a heroic guy, or maybe he's just hoping that he'll eat a bullet and, you know, solve all of his problems. But he jumps in, rescues the lady, but in the process gets shot in the head uh, by the bad guy. And so, you know, he's rushed to the hospital and they, you know, open up the top of his skull so they can go in and, and do the brain surgery. And there's all these tentacles you know, weaving out very Cthulhu-esque out of the top of his skull. And that was I, that was a moment in the book where I went, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of knew from the concept that it wasn't going to be a real tumor. It wasn't going to be cancer. But I didn't expect that. Yeah. Just this picture of a exposed brain and horrible snaking tentacles. Yeah. So, Paul, what would you think? I enjoyed the hell out of it. And, you know, just like uh, we were saying, I had no intention of reading this book. Yeah. Um, and and it's probably because I didn't realize that the char- the, the concept came from James Wan, mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, for those who are familiar, James Wan is the writer and director or co-writer and director of movies like Saw, uh, Insidious, mm-hmm. Death Sentence, Dead Silence. Um, so I love the guy as a director. You know, I, I like a lot of his movies. So had I known that, I probably would have jumped on the book. Yeah. But, you know, I, I saw Malignant Man, and I'm like, what? That, it just sounds stupid. Yes. And even, I, I got to be honest, even the cover, the alternate cover I enjoyed. But the, the main cover didn't impress me. Okay, I don't uh, think I saw but, you know, the Aaron alternate said, cover. Read it. I, the, the cover I've got is the, the, the guy, looks like mustache, kind of beardy, looking down with the gun. I guess that's a gun. But I can't tell if that's a gun or if that's like a blade coming out of his wrist. Yeah, I can't really tell what that is either. Yeah, and that's not a very – yeah, it's not – yeah, bad cover. (laughs) Yeah, but there's an alternate cover that the art is a little better, um, and it it is clearly a blade that's coming out of his arm. Um, You know, so it does – unfortunately, it goes – it spoils a little bit where this story is going because he has hair and uh, a goatee. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and whereas in the first issue he he's bald, yeah, but, from, you know, from all this chemo and radiation. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a really well done story, and again the the book isn't written by James Wan. The characters created, you know, and it's written by Michael Allen Nelson. Uh-huh. But you know, the, the, it's suspenseful. It's exciting. It's a it's an interesting concept. You know, you'd think that you know, oh, a character has cancer and his cancer gives him superpowers. You'd think that that would maybe. You know, you're like, ah, oh, well, maybe that's a little in poor taste. But it's, you know, <laughs> as you read the book, you realize that's not what's happening. You know, that's just kind of like the the launching pad for the rest of the story. I, I would like to draw a parallel. So here. I'd like to draw a parallel yes. here on on a book that we've also read recently that has a very similar startup to it, and that's Starborn. Yes. You know, I was you about think- to say. Yeah, when you think about Starborn, you know, here's this guy, you know, he's walking around in his regular life, and then all of a sudden events go crazy, and it's the same kind of thing. Somebody comes in, rescues him in the middle of all the shit that's happening. It's a very Matrix kind of origin kind of story uh, in terms of all of a sudden the world as I thought I knew it isn't the world I thought it was. Um, but this has done so much better. So much better. Even uh, Soldier Zero. Honestly, yeah. You know, Soldier Zero, something very, you know, it's a, in fact Soldier Zero is a handicapped guy who gets superpowers. Yeah, you know, uh, very, you know, again, similar concepts. There's even a scene in the hospital where everyone dies uh, in Soldier Zero. You know, the but what this I, was just done so much better. 
one of the things that I find so interesting about this character is that, you know, we meet him at a very low point in his life. And, you know, yeah, he's not just bald. He's looking at the way they draw him in those first few pages. You see the effects of chemo on him. Yeah. This guy is weak. Yeah. He's withered. You know, he's at the end. He's clearly, clearly nobody to share this, this, uh, this problem with, you know, he, he clearly seems all alone, you know, you know, enduring this, this awful illness and, you know, looking at the last days of his life. And, you know, he's clearly sympathetic. I mean, you know, the reader, you, you can relate to that guy, you know, you, you can, you, you can feel sorry for him. You can feel that empathy. Um, and then there's this flashback and you think you, you, you assume it's a flashback, but it looks like something that perhaps he's done that's horrible. <laughs> in his earlier life. You know, it looks like maybe a childhood memory. Maybe it's something else. Maybe later on we'll get some different information about that. But, uh, you know, you're starting to think, hmm, maybe the character isn't quite as sympathetic as we thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys are on crack. What if, <laughs> Tim, did you not enjoy Malignant Man? This book was a solid C- minus for me. Seriously? Oh, damn. So, Okay, I, I, I don't know if you guys remember. I, I was a big proponent of One Month to Live last uh-huh. year. Yeah. And so it immediately loses a grade because it wasn't telling that same story that I really liked. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's going this way. I was right, a big fan of really Burnout, did. which is basically the same story as well. And it, that didn't bother me. Well, you had your time, Wayne. Now be quiet. <laughs> so I, uh... But somebody on this podcast is wrong, Tib. We have to correct you. Uh, no, you guys are all on crack. Like the, the art style, I don't know why you guys. I, I, I'm not saying it's bad art, but I don't like the art style at all. Oh, so that absolutely. doesn't add to it. That doesn't add, that that adds to my misenjoyment. Um, and I like I said, I just I didn't like the story that they were they were going with. And and it do, it also doesn't help that we just saw we just saw this scene in Starborn, basically. Yes. So. I mean, that's not this book's fault necessarily, but when I read it, I was like, ugh, it's not one month to live. This looks like Starborn. I don't like the art. And you guys were like, this is such a great book. I'm like, what am I not getting? And then Paul's like, oh, it's written by the guy who did Saw. I'm like, there we go. Now now it makes more sense to me. <laughs> so, I'm, you know, I, I guess if, if yeah, you've got enough flavors, dear listeners, to know if, if you like those things, then maybe the other three hosts are... I just want to remind you, dear listener, that Tim is the same guy who brought you Teen Titans. Just saying. (laughs) (sighs) I, I, you know, the artwork, there's something about the artwork that reminds me a lot of Klaus Janssen. Um, Oh, yeah. And I knew that I knew that you would get exactly (laughs) what I was saying on that, Tim. Um, It is. I just love how. uh, particularly in the opening pages where he's gotten his diagnosis and it just has that very um, sickly kind of green to the pages. You know, there's almost like a patina, you know, that, 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 that the way copper ages uh, on those pages. I just completely dug this book. It is so well done. It just uh, artfully, the writing, everything just was firing for me on this book. And I can't wait to see how it turns out. All I heard was it reminds me of Klaus Janssen in the fact that it captured the same kind of crummy. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only thing this art was was crummy. <laughs> oh, if Andrew well, was here, he'd agree with me. I'm just saying. 
no, I talked Andrew into, into uh, reading Uncanny X-Men with me, so I, I think he'd be on board with me. I'm just telling <laughs> you. That and, you know, Andrew's real-life profession, he'd be like, he would probably be like, well, that's not how they operate. That's crap. So. <laughs> You're probably... If- if he hadn't overdosed on hookers and blow, he would have been here this week, Tim. That's yeah, true. Ha- happy Easter, Andrew. Take another snort. <laughs> uh, that's, not, that's not bunny dust. <laughs> <laughs> bunny dust. <laughs> Show title. <laughs> See, Tim, you finally brought us out of, uh, what was it? Dr. Ray was our original show. <laughs> Dr. Ray. Dr. Ray. Dr. Ray. Uh, you know, actually, in retrospect, Dr. Rape is better. <laughs> I, I really it's don't. It's going to be that. Dr. Rape and, and Funny Dust. <clears throat> or Bunny Dust. One of the two. Well, speaking of bunnies, what are your plans for Easter? Anybody doing any? You got an Easter egg hunt coming up? Got family over? Because, you know, I know Andrew's got the whole fam damnly at his place right now. With their matching t-shirts. I'm doing laundry celebrating the birth of our, or the rise of our Lord. There you go. Nice. My I'm wife's so- family does get together, so we have to go over there. <laughs> we have to. Yeah, it, that pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I'm putting a ham on the smoker here in about an hour, so I'm excited. Oh, very nice. Because, you know, Jesus died on the cross so that we could have ham on Easter. That's my understanding of the uh, resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> Look, spiral cut honey glazed ham. <laughs> Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> you know, I, I used to uh, work in electronics when I was in college, and you know, I was, of course, getting my art degree in college. And so uh, at, the, uh, at the electronics shop, they're like, hey, Aaron, you know, can you make signs for us? And I, yeah, sure. I can make signs for you. So one day they said, Hey Aaron, we want uh, Easter signs. And I said, okay. And he goes, yeah, cause we're having a big sale on good Friday. And so, you know, I realized that it wasn't an Easter sale. They were having, they were having a good Friday sale. And so I drew up these, you know, gigantic posters that, you know, this is when I worked for Federated Electronics. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I had these big posters that said, you know, on Good Friday, Federated is <laughs> is nailing down prices. <laughs> and just remember, on Easter Sunday, prices will rise again. <laughs> oh, don't, don't, you, don't you be a martyr. Turn left at... <laughs> <laughs> they didn't use those. I don't know why. Because really, nothing says, you know, buy that, buy that uh, high-end television than, you know... The crucifixion of Christ. So there you go. So you can get the church channel in high D. <laughs> um, I don't want to see that wrinkly old woman. It's in high definition. Now, I have not read it, but uh, those of you who have have said nothing but the most positive, wonderful, and good things about morning glories. Am I am I correct? Okay. That you guys have, yes. have big fans yeah. of morning glories? I've liked it. Well, I have in my hot little hands... The Volume 1 trade paperback combining issues 1 through 4, including the double-sized multiple sellout first issue, autographed by artist Joe Eisma. And we will be giving that away on the site. Look for that 
supposed to go up Monday, same time when this episode drops, and you can enter to win a very exciting copy of the Morning Glories trade paperback. And that trade is so wonderful. The series starts off with a big bang. So that that's not that's not my Easter present, Aaron. It it, it is if you win. Sadly, they're were, qualified. Were the business cards my Easter present, Aaron? <laughs> Red ring. Seems <laughs> <laughs> like our resident Easter bunny. Uh, can I go so I can watch little Thor on loop now? <laughs> By the way, the uh, Ideology of Madness uh, hotline is open for business. You can call 972-763-5903 and leave us a message that if it amuses us, we'll play it on next week's show. So, uh, you know, leave us your, your questions, your comments, and uh, flattering statements at 972-763-5903. Because you using you- we need a new host. We fired Andrew. Your audio resume should be left at 972-763-5903. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.